0: Good evening, everyone. So nice to see you this evening. We thank the Lord for your presence. I want you to take a Bible speech, and we're going to go back to the book of Ruth. We're going to pick up at chapter 3, where we stopped uh, several weeks back. This is a wonderful book. This is a, Talking about the Word of God, this is a book that really amazes me. It's such a, it's a, it's a wonderful piece of literature. If you know literature at all, and you read this, if you look at it from a point of view of being a drama or a novel or a play, the, 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 the characters are there, the plot is there, the twists and turns, the hidden meanings, as it were, in certain phrases, the code meanings. From a prophetic point of view, it, it's, it's rich with poetry. It speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without this book, we would not be able to understand how Jesus could be born the way he was. This is one of the most significant book dealings with the incarnation. In the sense that uh, uh, Jesus was born of Mary. Wonderful book here. And sometimes we lose it. Uh, And uh, I hope we could take a a little look at it tonight and maybe next week as well. But you remember this story. uh, The family left. uh, The house of bread. Bethlehem. um, Because went looking for a job because things were tough. The economy must have been down. So they had to go looking for a job in another country that was not of the same culture or background as Bethlehem. You know the story. When they went over, the husband died first, leaving uh, uh, Naomi as a widow. Uh, shortly thereafter, the two sons who had married, again, a Ginks really... Jewish law, two more biters of women, uh, uh, they died as well, and so Mary was left a widow indeed. And she decided to go back home to the house of bread because she found out that the economy had started to come up. The, actually, the, 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 uh, the drought had been lifted, the famine had been lifted, and uh, things were back to normal, as it were. She went back empty. Uh, the people didn't even recognize her when she came back. In fact, she was bitter. She blamed God uh, for her her experiences and what she went through. She was very bitter, and that's why she told the ladies who greeted her back when she came back, don't call me Naomi, which meant sweet and all of that, but call me uh, bitter instead, Mar because of the type of things. And um, you remember the story also where her two daughters-in-law's Uh, started out with her but she persuaded one of them to go back to her mother's house but uh, Ruth was determined not to do so and Ruth made a real commitment, it was a conversion, a statement uh, your people will be my people, your gods my God and so on where you live I will live and all of that that was a statement between a mother, uh, a a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law it's not have it had nothing to do with a husband and wife situation. You know the story. It's a conversion statement here. And uh, it shows, it begins to show the character of this woman, Ruth, who became a significant uh, part of the, uh, of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Uh, she goes back. And now we come to chapter three. And that's where we will pick up this evening. You remember just before chapter 3 as well, uh, Naomi probably explained to Ruth some of the Jewish customs. One was that there was a law that um, those who owned fields that had uh, grain in it and so on, they were only to go through the field once in reaping it, and they were le- to leave. Sheaves behind, so the poor could come. It's what we what was called the law of the poor, and I think we have that in one of our one of our slides. I don't know if you can show that one. This is a custom that was reflected there at this particular time. It says in Leviticus 19:10, "Do not go over your vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor." And the alien. I am the Lord your God. The poor of the homeland and the alien, those who come from away. And she fitted into that particular one, you see. And if we had time to develop the implications of this truth, God cares for the poor of our own land as well as the poor of those who come from other places as well. That has a lot to say upon how we treat people who come to our country today, by the way. Right? So that's one of the customs reflected here. And so Naomi, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, Ruth did that. And when she went to the field, it's a very uh, poignant poignant statement that is made that it happened that Boaz, who is the owner of the field, came by at the same time that she came in. Now, That's an amazing statement in light of the fact that without him seeing her, there would be no Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Without him seeing her at that time, there would be no Jesus Christ. But the scripture says it just happened that he saw her. That's some of the words you have to use in the phrases You see how God is sending a message concerning his providence. He's going to mention that two or three times. It just happened. It just happened. That's an indication that God is the one who's controlling it, not people. To us, it's just an accident. A by the way event. But with something that is planned by God. Now a lot of people are asking how in the world, why did he notice so? Because... You know, this is what I call love at first sight. He saw and he didn't want to take his eyes off her. He started to do everything to make sure she does not leave that field. And I looked up some of the Jewish traditions concerning this. One of the Jewish rabbis commented it was because most of the women, when they do the reaping, they would bow down like this. And that way, sometimes they could see the part of the leg you were not supposed to see. And this is from the Jewish. But she didn't do that. When she went down, she bent her knees. Showing that she had a little, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Modesty. Right? In other words, she was showing that she she was a little bit more modest than the others. Because those fields were a place where all kinds of immoralities took place. You see? So that's what the Jewish rabbi says attracted <coughs> this man who is some probably 40 or 45 years older than she was to this young woman. And it is from that point that because he was also a good man as you go through the scriptures here with him he had a good reputation a good relationship with his workers. They loved him they, and he, he respected them and he, he fellowshiped with them and all, all of that is there. And so Uh, He treated her well, as we know. And so we come now to chapter 3. And it says, Then Naomi, well, let me just read verse 23 for connection. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, we don't know how long that is. You see, now, this is the movie you probably would see a little spinning wheel or something or, you know, shouting to show that time has taken place. You see, then we have the story. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? In other words, Naomi is, has now come to the point, Hey, I've got to find someone Ruth to take care of her I'm not going to be around that long in other words the matchmaker is going into action and she does some wonderful things in here and as we go along we're going to see that each one of these individuals is a type of someone else like for instance Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ Ruth is a type of who do you think? The church. Naomi is probably a type of Israel. Who introduced, uh, who introduced, well, I'll wait till I uh, come to that later on because I want to get, take away all of the thing from you right now. But each one of these individuals, a type of uh, the significant people in our lives as the people of God. And we'll see this happening here. She's a matchmaker. My daughter, shall I I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? In other words, she's simply saying, I got to find a man. I got to find a husband for you. Now, is not Boaz a kinsman with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. A plan begins to be developed. Hey, Boaz is a kinsman. As we talked about last week, that means that he was a close relative who under the law had the right to to marry uh, Ruth because uh, of the fact that Boaz was related to Imimelech, Ruth's husband, who died. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the law said that if that happened, the brother or another member, especially a brother with a relative of the family, is supposed to marry the widow to carry on the name of the, of the, of the husband who died. The Jewish people uh, said that that's the way the spirit of the dead person was to be carried on. They say the spirit of the dead person was to be carried on, and so Ruth said that man who owned that field is a well is a healthy prospect for you marrying, become your husband. That's what she so she knows that this is a person who is available. Now, let me see if I could give you, uh, Alan. I have one there. You might have to you you might have to skip one slide, it says. The kinsman of the redeemer. I just want to show that before I move on. The law of the kinsman redeemer. You have it up. Good. Notice what it says: If brethren dwell together, this is Deuteronomy 25, and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry with without unto a stranger a husband's brother shall go into her and take her to his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate of the elders and say, My husband's brother refused to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He's not willing to perform the duty of the husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her. Then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders. And loose his shoe from off his foot. And spit in his face. And shall answer and say, so shall it be done unto that man that will not build up his brother's house. In Israel his name shall be called the house of him Whose sandal or shoe is removed. Now you see Naomi knew about this. And we're going to see how this comes into play in a moment. See because not only does the the woman would spit into his face. But then he got to walk around barefoot. On at least one foot for a while. It was a sign of shame. You see. Now Naomi knew that Boaz fitted into the qualification of a kinsman redeemer. So she has a plan now to bring it about where this man would be given the opportunity to marry Ruth. Now, he didn't have to do it. He could back out, but then he had to go to shame. You see? And so Ruth is trying to set the stage so the opportunity would be given to him to accept the proposal to become her husband. So let's go on now. Wash yourself, therefore... Matchmaker here. Go take a shower. Anoint yourself. Put on the best cologne. Put on your best clothes. And go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. You know, I want you to see this. And and I want to take time with this because there's so much practical stuff here. Here's a mother-in-law concerned about her daughter-in-law being married. She is not aware of all of the laws in her city, in her town. That is Ruth isn't, but but Naomi is. So now she is is, uh, uh, preparing her to do what is necessary to get this man. And so she says, now you bathe yourself, put on the best perfume, best clothes, because you are going to be making a proposal. It's amazing. Let's move on now. But it's all according to the law. Notice, he says, Make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. You see, she knew that in the evening when they had finished going to the field and doing what they're supposed to do, they had certain ceremonial things or things that they normally normally do. In we would call it having a little time of refreshment, a little time of fellowship. And including eating and Drinking and dancing and all of that. In the evening after work. Now notice. So she knew all of that. It shall be when he lies down. Because they slept near the barley that they've taken. Because people used to steal it. And they didn't want to leave it until it was all prepped and ready to go. And so they would sleep near the stuff that they'd taken up that day. It shall be when he lies down. That you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you. What you shall do. See that? In other words. He, Naomi knew that once. Ruth did this. Boaz would realize. What she was doing. And why she was doing it. You do this. And he will tell you. What to do. You understand? She knew the customs. Ruth didn't. You see. A lot of people read this. And think that she was being. Very forward. And she was trying to. Uh, entice him to have sex. That is not true. That's not this scene as all. This is strictly according to the custom. And she was being a modest woman. This was, has, has no, in no way reflects upon her character at all. In fact, it highlights it as being a very virtuous woman. Notice what she says. So she said to her, all that you say I will do. Again, this shows the good relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law with so many people as they don't exist. But here, they have a good relationship. I'll do what you say. I shall follow your instructions. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that the mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now again, that simply means that he didn't mean he tried, he tried. She tried to take off his clothes. It's amazing how people try to turn this into a, into a, a, a very immoral action. It, that was the custom, you see. Uncovering here is like a is an indication. Really, it was an act. It was a it, it, it was a proposal. It was saying, "I want you to consider to marry me." You'll see that as we go along. That's what it really meant. All right. Now notice verse 6. It says, it it happened. That's another time. If you look back to chapter 2, verse 3, the same thing, it happened that uh, Boaz came. Now he says, it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. Now notice it said, so spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Translated today, that means marry me. That's what it is. This is a proposal according to the customs of the day. When you talk about spreading your covering over me, I want your protection. I want your protection as a husband over me. Is what she was actually saying. That was according to the custom of the day. Then he said, We might call it a proposition, but it's a good proposition. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first. By not going after young men. Whether rich or poor. See he was again reflecting on. Her being a virtuous woman. You didn't have to be here doing what you're doing right now. To try to get a husband according to the law. You could have gone out and tried to do all kinds of moral things. To be supported as a woman. But you've done well. You see. That's what he's saying here. Now my daughter do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. Did she You see, she's asked. What did she ask? She's asking, will you marry me according to the law? That's what she's doing. So he's accepting a proposal. She has asked. He's accepting a proposal. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Isn't that great? She had a good reputation. A virtuous woman. She was a woman of excellence. You see, if we were speaking to a, a, a marriage situation, we could spend a lot of time in need in speaking to women. Women today to be virtuous, not only virtuous in intention, but in the way you behave, in the way you dress. But you see, if I spend time on that, I get criticized for that. But let me tell you, something just happened. Uh, last week, I spoke at uh, the Kingsway uh, graduation, right? And I was speaking to young people. Some of them, they're, they're laughing right now. And I spoke to both young men and women from Daniel that they look good in appearance and all of that. And I was saying that we need to do the same thing. So I turned to the young men. I say, young man, what did I say to young men? Pull up your pants. You see, young man, pull up your pants. <laughs> But then I turned to the young women, I said, cover your belly button and hide your headlights. If it's too short to pull down, then don't put it on. Invest a little bit more in some yardage. Because the way some women dress today, some young girls dress today, is really disgusting. In fact, it's embarrassing. Sometimes I stand next to a mother and a daughter and it's embarrassing to me to see how a mother would allow her daughter to dress. You could see all of the headlights. Nothing in imagination. And the mother does nothing about it. You see? Ruth is not a woman like that. She was a woman of excellence. She was a virtuous woman. And uh, and, uh, that is important for us to see Because she falls into the line of Jesus Christ. But anyway. Now notice. A woman of excellence. Now here's the purpose. Now it is true. I am a close relative. However. There's a relative closer than I. Uh oh. There's a problem now. See this is why this makes such a wonderful story. Everything going so good. The plan is going good man. You know. set right up. She's. Approaches the man. She makes the proposal. And he's ready to accept it. Uh, there is a the problem. There is a fly in the ointment. There is someone else. Who should be given the choice before he has. Because there is a closer relative. You see. Now know this. It is true I am a relative. However there is a relative closer than I. Problem. You say, but remain this night. And when morning comes. If he will redeem you. Good. Notice the word redeem. You see, it's the idea of buying back, paying in order to cover what is lost or owed. But if he does not wish to redeem you, I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until the morning. In other words, it's accepted as a proposal. And he says, but I got to take care of this business first. So she lay down at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again, he is tr- trying to protect her, her reputation, and everything else. Again, he said, Give me the cloak that is on you and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went to the city. Provision now. Here. But this is where some of the codes come in. Remember? Naomi said, do everything he tells you to do. Because he would recognize what he was supposed to do. Right? And now he's doing it. And he gives uh, seven. He shows six. Why didn't he give seven? Why didn't he give five? See, that's the code. He was sending a message back to Naomi by giving six. Why? You remember? Well, no, let me come back in a minute because I I really want you to see the beauty of this passage. He says, and again, he said, give me the cloak, it's on your hand, and hold it out. She she held it out, and he measured six measures of body and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Now notice, when she came to a mother-in-law, she said how did it go my daughter how is the plan working and she told her that all that the man had done for her she said notice now these six measures of Bali he gave me for he said do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed so who was the Bali for Naomi six now notice Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. Notice what she said. For this man will not rest until he's settled it today. Six is a symbol to the Jewish people. There was a custom here that a person who uh, works on what they call a six-unit basis is a gesture that they will not rest until the job is done. Why? Because God created the world in six days, and he rested on the seventh. So what what Boaz was telling Naomi, Naomi, I'm getting right at this, and I'm not going to rest until it's done. And she got the message. She got the message. Beautiful, beautiful. Verse 4. Now, Boaz went up to the gate. See, he's persistent. And he sat down there. The gate is like our parliament. This is where you discuss all the issues. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. Isn't that amazing? Just happened to be passing by. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit writes the scriptures. So he said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Now this shows some indication too that Boaz must have been a man of authority and respect because he could direct these things in this fashion. He took ten men of the eldest of the city, because ten was a real good powerful way of witnessing and so on, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And so the man said, he isn't named yet. The man said, I will do it. Uh Uh-oh. Not a problem. That's not the answer he wanted. He didn't want that answer. Then Boaz said... On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess. See, he said, the Moabitess, Ruth the alien, Ruth the, the, the Gentile, Ruth, woman that man should not, he should not marry in the first place. See, that's the whole idea here. This isn't just a Jewish woman. You've got to marry this woman here. The widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased of his inheritance. You remember what he read about the law? The closest relative said, "I cannot redeem it for myself, because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Maybe he had already distributed to his sons and children or whatever it is, but the problem, he couldn't do it. So he said, "Redeem it for yourself. You may have right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it." Now that's what he was looking for. But now you have to go through. The rituals. Verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption. And the exchange of land to confirm a matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel. We saw that. That was happening. And this is an important part of the story. The way these these customs were observed and how they play an important role in Jesus Christ becoming our Redeemer all of it plays together we're going to see it as we go along here without this provision there would be no Jesus Christ without this provision there would be no Jesus Christ you can even see more of that notice now So the closest relative said to Boaz. Buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders. And all the people. You are witness today. That I have brought from the land of Naomi. From the hand of Naomi. All that belonged to Elimelech. And all that belonged to Chilion and Maon. The whole family is mentioned here for the first time. Moreover. I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased of an inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are a witness today. Now, I'm trying to see how to go about this because it's a little complex, a little tale and a little... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a little uh, steamy as well to understand what is happening here. There are people recorded in Scripture who refuse to follow this particular custom to redeem someone. And it so happened that one of the persons who refused to do it, if it didn't refuse it, there would be you no know, Jesus Christ. Let me read you the passage and then we will stop for the night and pick it up again. As I said, it's a little uncomfortable for people to read this, but I want to read it anyway because it fits into the whole story here. Genesis chapter 38. See, this story of the book of Ruth really focuses on how it is that Jesus Christ came to be born from Mary the way he did—that's what this book is all about. And we lose that sometime. And this story here that we don't like to read plays an important role in it. This is some of the questions I would like to ask the Lord when I get up there. Why was this included? But notice here—it came about at that time, verse thirty-one, verse one. That Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hera. Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and went into her. And she conceived and bore a son and he named him Ur. Then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan. She bore still another son and named him Shelah. And it was at Chezib that she bore him. Now Judah. Now who's Judah? That's supposed to be the line of what? The royal line. Right? Now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord killed him. Then Judah said to Onan, go into your brother's wife, following the law of the land. And perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother in other words be the kinsman redeemer Onan knew that the offspring would not be his so when he went into his brother's wife he wasted the seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother now we don't like this story but without this happening Jesus Christ could not have been born the way he was but what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord and so he killed him too then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, I am afraid that he too may die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in the father's house. In other words, no one took her as wife. Now after considerable time, she was daughter, the wife of Judah died. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to the sheep shearers at Timar. He and his friend, Hera the Adumalites. It was told to Tamar, behold, your father-in-law is going up to Tamar to share his sheep. So she removed the widow's garments and covered herself up with a a veil and wrapped herself, sat in the gateway. You know the rest of the story. She pretended to be a prostitute. She got certain things from him, his staff, uh, his ring. And today we'll say got his driver's license and, and the identification card from him to hold. Security. Right? And you know the story afterwards? Uh, they were told what happened what Tamar did, and, and Judas says, Bring her here, let's burn her. And then he found out what had happened. And then he said, She was more righteous than I. You remember the story? Remember the story? Now, what resulted from that is very important for us to understand here. Because It tells us in this passage that Perez was one of the children that were born. We don't have the whole story. Remember, the twins were born. Stuck out his hand. Put a red ribbon on it. You pull it back in. That's Obed. That's Obed, I think it was. But then the second child came out. His name was Perez. I remember that. Let's go back to Ruth. It goes through the ritual. When the brother gave to um, Boaz the shoe, it was a sign of shame. But to Boaz who received the shoe, it was a marriage license. Okay? It was a marriage license. That's what you see happening here. And notice. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, verse 11, we are witnesses. May the Lord make a woman who is coming into your life like Rachel and Leah. Who were Rachel and Leah? Wives of Jacob. Sons of the twelve. In other words, they were the ones who brought the people of Israel into being both of whom build a house of Israel and may you achieve wealth in ephrata and become famous in Bethlehem. That's a prophecy. Is Bethlehem famous? Today, Bethlehem is only a little town of 7,000 people. Today, Bethlehem is probably one of the most famous cities in the world. Why? Because Ruth, who became one of the original uh, uh, descendants of Jesus Christ was born there. Because Jesus Christ was born there. Is it famous? You bet your life it is. Prophecy right here. Now notice. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez. Who's the Perez? Son of Tamar, Born of Judah through that adulterous relationship. Through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Now why would God do something like this? Use this kind of a method to bring Jesus Christ into the world. Without this book of Ruth we would not understand what God is doing. And the fact that God is, these things are not just happening. God is causing them to happen for his purpose. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. May his name become famous in Israel and it has become famous. May he also be to you a restorer of life a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Now, we don't have time tonight to go through all of this to see why God did what he did here and why he was so upset with these fellows who didn't follow the law and he had to kill them. Why would God be so upset as to kill fellas for not following a law? A custom. So when it says here in Ruth. May your house be like Perez. That wasn't a toast. That was a prophecy. It relates to the law of illegitimate children. Deuteronomy 23 verse 2 tells us. That it took 10 generations after an illegitimate child. For a Uh, inheritance to start up again. Ten generations. Now we need to go to the book of Matthew to see how God works this all out. To see why it was that those fellows had to be killed. To see why it is that uh, this relationship had to come about. The way it did, I can't tell you why. But if it didn't come about, Jesus would not have qualified to be the Savior. Now, I was want, I want to finish it tonight, but time is gone. Next time, either tomorrow, next Lord's Day evening or in the morning, I'll go through it and show you this. That unless God had worked in the lives of these people the way they did and it just didn't happen, Jesus Christ would not have been born through the Virgin Mary. In other words, we would not have a kinsman redeemer who was qualified to do it, to redeem us. In order for him to be qualified according to the qualifications laid down by God himself. This is the process had to go. And we're going to see that the law was even changed. As far as inheritance was concerned. Because only the men were supposed to be given the land. But During the time of Moses. Some women who were left had no brothers, no husbands or anything. Went to Moses and says hey this isn't right. And Moses changed the law in order for women to inherit the land. If that didn't happen, Mary would not have had a legal right to be the mother of Jesus Christ. As far as redemption was concerned. All of these things happening together because God is in control. And when you read scriptures like that, you see, and you see what's happening. You see the wisdom of God. You see the plan of God. And this little book in Ruth here tells us then that our redemption... Through the Redeemer, Jesus Christ was all planned out by God. And all of these little twists and turns that we seem to look at. And just seem to be little stories. Little foolish stories. Little immoral stories even. We all see that they work together for the good of God's people. And to give us our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Our Goel. Our Redeemer. I'll deal with it later. But I hope you will see the fascinating Aspects of this book of Ruth and how much truth is hidden here and what is behind it all. It was all planned out by God so he could give us our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. And we look at that again next time. Lord willing, let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He's related to us now by blood. The blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. He was able to pay the price of redemption because he is sinless. And he was willing to redeem. We thank you for that fact. And we thank you for this little book of Ruth that holds so many truths concerning your wisdom. Your grace and your power what it is that you went through simply to provide for us our kinsman redeemer. We love him this evening. We love you for giving him to us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.